Hello, beautiful humans, and welcome to episode 22 of the Off Kilter podcast, The Cycle of Life, Training, Periods, and Dancing with Fear, with Betsy Ann Burnett. So today's episode is with the delicious Betsy Ann Burnett. She's a gem of a human who is bold in her movement, but has this beautiful calmness uh, about her. Betsy's a mover and a shaker and can do some pretty cool things with her body. And we first connected over Instagram on the topic of periods and training. So over the past five years, Betsy has transitioned from a primary school teacher to a movement teacher. She has danced with fear, been a ninja warrior, and has started to track her cycle. And she believes that you need to make your own magic. Betsy is a teacher at False Grip in Sydney, Australia, which is a gymnastics strength training facility and she also coaches little humans uh, and teaches ninja kids. So I hope you enjoy today's connection and conversation with Betsy. You can connect with her on Instagram at Betsy underscore Anne underscore Burnett and I really enjoyed this conversation with her. So let's do this. This is the Off Kilter Podcast. It is about breaking rules, listening to your ovaries, and coloring outside of the lines. Each week, we will connect and be in conversation about how to reignite your sexuality, feel powerfully graceful, and deeply connected to your body, all while navigating life. I am your teacher, Amy Kate Burr. I often start most of mine mid-conversation and mid-laugh. <laughs> so that's the best way. Yeah, we'll probably start right now. And then I often forget what episode I'm even up to as well. So, but I think I'm up to episode 22. So, yes, uh, I, I, saw that, I saw on your thing that it said episode 21. There you go. You keep me in line (laughs) with making sure that I write the correct dates on things and you know what episode I'm up to on my podcast. And you get to write your two and two in a row. And I get to write my two and two (laughs) in a row. Yeah. Let's just say sometimes I miss the little things. (laughs) Like the little... It's all about the big things. (laughs) Yeah. It's the the big thing. So thank you. Thank you for um, being there on the other side of the world and giving me uh, feedback Um, and making sure that I'm not missing the little things. But so we're up to episode 22. 22. Beautiful. And I don't have a title for it yet because I make that up afterwards. Yeah. Because you never know what we're going to talk about, that's why. You never know. But if you had to title it right now, what would your title be? Ooh. 
tough. I don't know. Um, oh, I don't know. Maybe girl talk or something. Girl talk. Okay, yeah. we'll start there and then at the end we'll revisit it and see what we come up with. All right, All right. beautiful. Let's start. And I would love if you start with, I want you to introduce yourself. And then if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my God, that's so hard. I have answered this question before, so I know it. First of all, I'm introducing myself. My name is Betsy. Do I need to say my last name? Yeah, let's go full name. I'm a fan of full names. All right, cool. Well, I'm Betsy Burnett. I'm 30 and I live in Sydney, Australia, but I grew up in England. And I am a coach, personal trainer, and just health advocate. Um, just trying to do the best that I can do on the journey that I'm on. So see where it takes me, I guess. I love that. And you have to answer my question, yeah. Yeah, the one food that I would eat for the rest of my life would be pizza. Pizza. Because, yeah, that's the reason behind it. Because you can have different pizzas. So you could have like a breakfast pizza with eggs and avocado on. You could have a lunchtime pizza with like rocket and chicken and whatever you want. And you can have an evening pizza and you can choose the different proteins that you want to put on, the different vegetables, <laughs> salads, whatever. <laughs> I got, I got away, I got around that question. I've had that question before and I was like, I need to think of something that you, you won't get bored of so bad. And you can have a dessert pizza because you can have Nutella and strawberries and stuff on top. Uh, I love that answer. Like so much. That is really cool. It's breaking the rules a little, which I like because we're using yep. multiple foods, but we're just eating <laughs> one thing, which is pizza for the rest exactly. of our life. Okay. I love that. <laughs> um, and like I said before we started that I like just to make it up as I go but generally we start with like your story a little bit about so you said that you're a coach uh, you're a trainer you do amazing things with your body <laughs> and for those of that follow you know that you can do really cool things I guess you can kind of pick the place where you want to start like how did you get to where you are now yeah it's been a long journey i mean when i when i first started training i was a primary school teacher in england so i taught primary school and um this was your usual gym girl i just went to the gym did the cross trainer and the treadmill and all of that kind of stuff for an hour just like a cardio bunny you know type person um and then once i started um learning like a different way to train I, I suppose I kept training and I did some classes and stuff like that I really found the love for training um, and then when I moved to Australia um, I took the chance to learn something new so I wanted to become a personal trainer really to learn how to write my own programs for myself and how to move properly and do all that stuff which is actually the reason why most personal trainers do a personal training course you'd be surprised about that yeah. They think that they're going to write themselves programs for the rest of their life and they don't actually ever write them their own programs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So I did that and then I kind of just fell into um, a gym job um, at an F45 gym in Brookvale um, and at an outdoor training camp as well. I just, they were just advertised at the um, centre where I did my um, course and I just did casual roles there and then it just snowballed and I started my own training, started just hypertrophy training in the gym with weights and learning how to squat properly and all that kind of stuff I spent hours videoing myself squatting and like oh no we've got butt wink here and I can only go to this step and I do like squats onto a med ball and stuff like that um and then I got into CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting and then after that I got into all of the ninja stuff and then today I mostly train um weights for my lower body and then I do a lot of calisthenics and gymnastics style stuff for my upper body um and I love handstands and tumbling is my new found thing that I found last year um so yeah it's been a crazy five-year journey yeah I saw your um, I guess now yesterday just a mix of it all oh yeah yeah <laughs> last night just having a ball yeah it was so fun yeah, yeah. Is, is that at a so gymnastics place? Yeah, um, so I work at a gym called Ninja Kids, yeah. and um, it's inside a cheerleading gym in Brookvale. And, um, yeah, they've got tumble tracks and foam pits and just the spring floor, so you can go crazy and do all sorts of stuff. Um, but I'm lucky that I'm at the point where I can actually try stuff by myself now because I was so scared when I first started of hurting myself. That I wouldn't do anything without my coach. Um, right. So, yeah. When did you first yeah. start um, doing like tumbling and like ninja stuff? Um, so I started ninja in 2016. Um, and that was more, I actually had my first one on one session with a gymnastics coach then eight weeks before we filmed the show and I learned how to you know do a proper gymnastic swing and then like where you hop from bar to bar so like you swing and and let go of the bar with both hands and then you catch the bar in front of you with both hands that's called a lache so I learned how to do that but it took me six weeks to learn that because I was just so scared of catching the bar in front of me I'd touch it and touch it and touch it and touch it with my fingertips but I'd just never grab on I'm the biggest scaredy cat ever and no one ever thinks that because they watch me on Ninja Warrior and they're like oh my god you're so amazing and I'm like no seriously I'm the biggest scaredy cat out there it's the whole reason why I like wanted to do the show to like put myself in these scary situations and just you know push the fear boundaries I guess yeah how did you come um, to decide to to try it so if you'd never done anything um, like that before in your life and then what was what happened to be like you know what I want to be a ninja warrior <laughs> it was so random because um when I was working at the gyms that I was working at I did like um the Spartan and Tough Mudder with like teams from the gym um so we took like groups of people out we did True Grit, Spartan, Tough Mudder um so I'd done those things so I'd been on a few obstacles and hadn't really trained for that I guess and then um you know how um, the internet is these days when when you book things it like then shows you things that you might want to book in the future yeah. um so this ninja warrior as like popped up on my facebook feed for australian ninja warrior and i was like 
they don't have one in Australia yet. Um, like, because I knew about American Ninja Warrior just from like, you know, you see it on TV all the time. Um, so I like Googled it, watched a few videos. I was like, mm, I might give it a go. So I like just did the application, not thinking that anything would happen. Because, you know, you, you see these things and you're like, oh, if I applied, it'd be like a one in a million chance yeah. that I actually got on. Um, so yeah, I applied and then made it on. I was like, oh, okay then. Well, this wasn't the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and I had like eight weeks to train for it. I was like, ah, so yeah, that was fun. So from the application to like successful to actually the first, like the filming of the show, that was eight weeks. Well, it was about 12 weeks from the application. So from the application to the audition was about four weeks. And then <laughs> from the audition to um, the filming was eight weeks. Yeah, it was crazy. So once they said, yep, you're in. I had like eight weeks to train. What did that look like? <laughs> um, I just had PT session every week with the gymnastics coach that I told you about. Um, I don't, she's called Tori from False Grip, um, which is actually where I work now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so she like put, did heaps of stuff with me on grip. We had rings set up, kind of like how you have rings hanging from the ceiling at a CrossFit gym. We just did heaps of stuff on the rings and the ropes and then, a lot of um, leg power stuff like rebound jumping over really big boxes and just setting up mini courses and stuff like that because there wasn't actually really any ninja gyms in Sydney then. Um, there was one and it was like 45 minutes away over in Ramsgate. So I went there once a week as well with one of the other girls that had got onto the show. Um, so it was really only two focused hours of actual ninja training and the rest was kind of like just body weight um and endurance training that I was already doing yeah so yeah can you talk to me about learning uh to do the move on the bar so you're on the lower bar and you have to let go and then can you talk to me about like overcoming like that fear or that resistance um mm -hmm. yeah yeah. All right. So um, I've learned along the way that for me, and I feel like it's going to be different for every every person, but for me, I kind of have to like dance with my fear. I call it dancing because like when you're dancing, you move around and then you kind of come back a little bit and then you move around forward and then you come back a little bit. And that's what I have to do when I'm trying to get past something that's blocking me. Um, so um, I what I would do is, in front of the bar that I was on, I'd set a box up from behind and actually just jump and catch onto that bar and then kind of move the box back a little bit each time until I couldn't actually jump and catch anymore. So then when I was swinging and I let go, I'd let go and then I'd reach for the bar, wouldn't try and tap it, land on my feet. I think for me it was about hurting myself so as long as I knew that I could land on my feet and be safe and make that distance it was okay so each time I just try and swing a little bit further then I would like half grab it so like wrap my hands around it but not actually commit to the grab and then let go and land and I just had to keep doing that until I felt like yeah this is the time when I'm going to grab and actually hold on and I didn't actually know when I was going to do that it just happened and I was really shocked I was like ah! I didn't make go this time. <laughs> I'm holding um, on. I'm holding on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
so that's the way that my fear works like if I'm just like thrown off the deep end it will just make me more scared of that thing and I won't go back to doing it that's just the way that my brain works so it's kind of good that I've found how to deal with fear situations in my head another way that I learned that was um starting bouldering have you ever been bouldering before yeah I, yeah. I am not good at it and I'm scared <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty scary when you start it for the first time. Um, and you just have to let go from the top and jump down and trust yourself. Um, so, yeah, that really helped because you can obviously climb back down and jump from a lower height. And then as you get more comfortable with it, you can start dropping or jumping from a higher height. And that that is, the I would say, is the one thing that's really helped with my fear of that kind of stuff bouldering yeah Yeah, bouldering yeah Yeah. so the way when you talk about it and I think of like the dancing part is like the kind of like the two steps forward maybe one step back and that this idea of like a progression like you know when we're learning a skill or a movement we can't just go and do like you know the front flip or the back flip there's like a progression and often we just want to like get over the fear and just like move on, but it doesn't work like that. It's almost yeah. like you're talking about like, I slowly move the box out, you know, step, yeah. step. And that might not even be in like the one session. It could be like mm-hmm. days oh, or over weeks, multiple, or months. Yeah. Multiple yeah, over multiple sessions. But yeah, I think, I think gymnastics and bouldering and like um, doing different types of training there there's that fear component and that's super cool because like that's a like a soft skill a skill that you just would never develop if you just keep doing something that you're really good at Mm -hmm. exactly and i i always try and relate it to real life situations like what would what would you do if you were like out hiking you know and you like fell off the edge of a cliff would you like become overcome with fear like or like but you would then have the strength to pull yourself back up do you know what I mean like you'd have to push past that fear and then I don't know that's the kind of things that I think of them. <laughs> yeah yeah one chance to push you off a cliff situation. and then we'll see what happens <laughs> please don't do that I did cliff jump for the first time this year ever oh, did you yeah not high it was like three or four meters <laughs> still I've never been able to do that before I've tried heaps of times but I've just been like the the fear was just too much but uh like over it's been it's been like four years of working on my fear now so this was the year and I just was like just do it so I did it because I knew that I I knew that I'd been working so much on it that I could do it was uh fear something that stopped you from doing things like showing up doing things with your body doing anything yeah I mean I've been like out to the beach with friends and they'd be like you know like what I just said like in Sydney there's heaps of places where you can go cliff jumping we'll be like tanning on the beach and then people will go swim over to the ledge and just jump off and I'm just like seriously I've tried to do it a few times and I just had this block like literally couldn't move like even to look over the edge. Um, so, yeah, it definitely has stopped me from doing things. Yeah. But not anymore. 
No. So over the four years in all the things you've been doing, like physically with your body, it's taught you how to uh, like manage and move through that fear and that resistance. Yeah. And I feel like there will still be, as with anything in life, like when you get past the point of where you're at, there then becomes this new point. So there'll probably be something bigger that's going to put that fear boundary on me and make me feel that way again. And then I'm going to have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and do the two steps forward, one step back until I get to that point. Yeah. It's just a never ending journey. Exactly. (laughs) Never ending dance. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dancing with the fear. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were a primary school teacher and then you just left, yeah, left that world and wanted to go into like the coaching world? Yeah. Well, I I didn't really, I didn't plan on having a full-time job in the coaching world. Um, I had planned on teaching in Australia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that just didn't happen. So I went down this whole path and it led me to where I am today. And I feel really grateful for it. I don't think um, I would have met the people that I've met or be in the job that I'm in today if I hadn't um, taken all of those steps down that path. So, um, And now I get to do the best of both worlds because I work with kids and adults um, coaching. So I feel lucky. There was a point where I did miss teaching a lot um, when I was just working with coaching adults. Um, But then I got into coaching kids and I was like, yes, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, So I do more of that now, which is awesome. Yeah. Talk to me about what, what, like, what is it? What does it look like? What do you, what's, why do you, why do you love it? Um, so I feel like my purpose or my mission statement, could you say, is to teach and inspire. So this generation and the next, because I feel like coming from a teaching background, I know how easily influenced kids can be and just how much of a positive impact you can have on their life and just being that person that they look up to and you don't even think that you're having an impact on their life but looking when when they contact you like some of the kids that I used to teach follow me on Instagram now and they're like you were my favorite teacher and like they just send me messages like and, you know, like you, you just feel like, oh, I had the impact that I didn't think that I had. And, and sometimes it can be, you can be the difference between um, a decision that they're going to make further down the line, you know. So that's why I do what I do. And I just feel like in, in the world that we're living in today, children just need to be instilled with this love of life and um their bodies and just finding out what they can do and pushing past fear boundaries because not all kids are fearless like a lot of them are but there are also a lot of kids that will not even hold on to a bar because they're like "Ah, I can't do it and they're dropping like a foot you know so you're you're making that difference in their life and um yeah I feel like that's the the positive thing that I do so that's why I do what I do oh it's so cool, like working, combining those two worlds together, like the, the teaching or the coaching side of it, but then also 
like using the physical body because it's such a powerful tool to teach us like so, so much about ourselves and um, yeah, just like life. Um, And so them together with children, just so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. So you split between doing that with the kids and then you still, you still train adults. Yeah, so um, we're actually at the start of the whole new year and like school year as well in in Australia because school starts at the end of January here. So I don't know what it's like in um, Vancouver and it also in England it's different school starts at the, in September. So yeah. I always find that really Same weird. Here. So I have to explain that, but probably not ever, probably everyone else knows. It's <laughs> okay. You can explain it. <laughs> Um, so, um, I've just had Christmas and like we've, it's quite a quiet time at the moment. So I'm just working at full script, which is the adult, um, movement training. Um, but last year I worked at, um, so I had full script and then I have Ninja Kids, which is where I coach the Ninja Kids classes. So it's all movement based, um, obstacle style training. And then we do like parkour and gymnastics and all that kind of stuff as well. And, um, I also coached at an acrobatic arts dance school. Um, uh, so that was super fun, like teaching kids cartwheels and backbends and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and so this year I'm going to be splitting between false grip and ninja kids. I might go back to the dance school, but I don't think I'll have time for that this year. Um, cause I'm coaching some tumbling and acro classes at false grip for kids as well. So I'll be doing kids at false grip and then, um, yeah, ninja kids. So that's the way that my time's going to be split up next year which is awesome oh i love that it's not all one thing like i love that it's like i can go here for this thing and i can go here for this thing and i feel like i'm the kind of person that sometimes needs that change of environment not just being in the same environment all the time yes yeah that works really well for me and even a change in like who you're teaching as well yeah um yeah for those who don't know what false grip is, do you want to just give a little bit of a, yeah, a background? So false grip is a gym in Brookvale, Sydney, and they're known for their um, it's adult gymnastics strength training, but we do have kids classes now. And um, basically you just come and learn fun stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That should be their tagline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the tagline and is, learn fun stuff <laughs> with me um the tagline is uh building a body that's capable of anything um so it's um base strength classes so we don't we do body weight strength we use weight there's upper body classes lower body classes um rings classes handstand classes and then um, the things that they're really well known for is the prehab classes, which is um, building strength in your end range, end range of movement in shoulders and hips and spine and um, stretch classes, which are one of my favorite classes to go to. So working towards middle splits or front splits, pancake and pipe. Yeah. So good. It's so good. Yeah. Have you been there? No, I've never been to false grip. So I come from a gymnastics background. I did gymnastics growing up. And then when I was competing in Olympic weightlifting, um, my coach started to bring in 
a lot of the movement, like the softness side of it, that the mobility, the active flexibility stuff. And then we played around with that a lot to look after my body. And yeah. um, but I haven't actually been to, to false grip in Sydney. No. Um, um, but most of my training yeah. is that. Yeah. That's so good. Um, have you done the um, functional range conditioning? Do you know what that is? The FRC? Yeah. Yeah, no, I've never done it. I've played around with it. Again, one of my coaches I feel like, uh, yeah. was, yeah. I feel like that's something that you would love. Yeah, it's, um, there's some really cool stuff in there for, for the Maybe. body and learning about the body. Yeah. Um, so talk to me about your training. What do you, what do you do? Um, at the moment, I do a mixture of everything. Yeah. Um, so I usually, <laughs> true. It's so hard when you want to be so good at so many things. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So last year I had a big focus on tumbling and I was tumbling twice a week and doing acro once a week. Um, and one of those tumbling sessions was with a coach, um, which is, why I feel like I've been able to progress in some of the movements. Um, and then I did two weight sessions per week. So, and I tried to make them full body, full body sessions. So I do a lot of lower body. I wrote my own programming for that. Um, so one week would be, it depends, it depends what time of the year it was. Cause I, I wrote them in like four to eight week blocks. Um, sometimes there would be big compound lifts, um, like squats and deadlifts. Other times it would just be um, accessory um, exercises like split squats and stuff like that. Um, and then all, most of my upper body stuff was um, body weight, so push-ups, pull-ups, rows, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I did go through a few phases of doing the shoulder press and the bicep curls and stuff like that just for hypertrophy. Um, and rock climbing once I try to get there once a week, but I haven't been successful at that recently, but there's just a new rock climbing gym that opened up in freshwater. So that's going to be my once a week thing. I stretch, I do two stretch classes per week, both lower body. And then I do my own upper body stretches at home. And, um, that's about it really. Yeah. yeah. So handstands. Hands, yeah, I was gonna say, and you do handstands. <laughs> yes, I do handstands. Yeah. Um, but this year is gonna be a little bit different because I'm gonna have a bit more of a. I'm going to try and have a bit more of focus around my cycle. We've been playing with it for the last like three months, really, just like going off feel, and not really sticking to my program because of that. Um, so it's been a bit up and down the last three to four months, but I'm just trying to work out how the best way to do it is so maybe you can share how you plan your training around your cycle <laughs> and this is how we that might help me yeah this is how we first connected so yeah yeah which is um was over cycles over periods year of the period <laughs> year of yeah. the cycle yeah um yeah and then uh yeah betsy was sharing with me that she was just starting to pay attention. So when we connected over it, and ever since we've been talking about cycles. 
life is one big cycle anyway yeah everything's a cycle which is, is why I really like the word because you could it's everything is a cycle the training's a cycle like daylight circadian menstrual cycle everything's cyclic everything. um, yeah I can share about uh the training and the cycles um is there anything in particular that you want to know specifically um I guess so like this year I'm gonna try so you know when you're writing programs um so most people will follow like a four six eight or twelve week program and then that's obviously got a bigger picture throughout the year depending on what your goals are and stuff like that um so I've always followed either a four or eight week cycle sometimes five if I'm doing strength training stuff like that um and I just feel like there's always that one or two weeks where the energy is just low and nothing really happens. So I'm trying to figure out what's the best cycle for a training program. As in, like, do I plan like a four week block and then I'll do like two weeks of like really good strength training and like high intensity and stuff like that um, in my follicular phase. And then when it gets to where I'm starting to go into the luteal phase, do I just go into more higher reps and um, then do more stretching um, and do more climbing in that time? I'm just trying to think of like how is the best way to actually create a program around it rather than just doing whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, definitely. Um, yeah, so we could go off like, what the cycle is actually doing. So like you said, mm -hmm. in the follicular phase, after like the first, say, five days, so we're like flatlined then in around like four or five days, our hormones. Mm -hmm. But I was actually having a conversation with a, a, a female yesterday because she's like, well, why on day one sometimes do I feel great and I can just like go and like train super hard? And I'm like, yeah, that's, um, it's part of a bigger picture. So it's like what I call the red umbrella. And the cycle is like just one prong of that big red umbrella, which is kind of like life or our state or our stress, I guess you could say. And yeah. if everything in the umbrella is good, like your food, your sleep, your nervous system, your rest, your relationships, everything's like good. Even though you're on day one of your cycle, you can feel good. So it doesn't mean that like, okay, I'm bleeding and I can't do anything. Um, it's like, no. yeah, sometimes I do feel good. And then I was on day like 10 or 11 yesterday uh, and I didn't feel that great. And it was just because some of my umbrella just wasn't as strong as it normally could be, even though my hormones mm -hmm. are like uh, on their up. But so yeah. I think that's really important to note that we can talk about this stuff, but that's why tracking it is super important for yeah. each female is because it can look a little bit different uh, for everyone. And then you're only going to know once you start to see like your patterns and your umbrella and what's actually happening. But if we go off, like just say the average cycle. So what's your What's your, your, you're pretty. Usually pretty. Yeah. I'm usually 28 to 30. Yeah. That's not, what you said. Yeah. Like there's not a big, 
Yeah. Yeah. So say uh, the first couple of days you, you feel like, okay, but not, you know, everything's pretty flat line, but then after that you feel pretty good. So like you said, for the yeah. follicular phase, just because of what the hormones are doing, yeah, you can train harder. You can train more often. Often we're better at like picking up like skills, learning something new, um, doing something complex when our hormones are on the rise and then they peak like around day 14 to 16, depending on when you're ovulating. And then in the second half, yeah, hormones are on the decline. And so it would be, we could still do the training program. We could still, um, we don't have to change exactly what we're doing, but maybe the rest looks a little bit longer. Maybe it's not, you know, doing as many rounds or as many reps or um, maybe it's not as, in, as intense um, or it's not yeah. as complex. We're decreasing the weight. Yeah, we're decreasing the weight. So we could weight. do yeah. more reps but less weight and then we could rest a little bit more. Um, and so when yeah. I program for females and when I'm doing it myself, like at the moment, I'm not really following a program myself. Like I just kind of make it up on the day of whatever I want to do. But for the females that I program for, it looks like we do four week chunks. So then it kind of goes with the the cycle. The cycle. Yeah. yeah, If I'm going to teach them anything new or um, they're going to train really hard at the start in the first two weeks. And then the second two weeks, the program might look very similar, like what we're working on in the sessions, like the lower body and the upper body, but it just looks a little bit different in like volume. So it's yeah. more like high volume, hard, complex, second half looks like less volume, a little bit more rest. We're not going to learn something that's super tricky. Uh, and then that's how we would work it through on the, on the cycle. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, have you been playing uh, with your training and the cycle? Yeah, I've just been mainly um, going off the way that I'm feeling on that day. So, um, I'll have a look at where I'm at on my cycle each week, and then um, I'll do the program that I've planned. But having the back of my mind where I'm at and then just listen to how I'm feeling when I'm warming up um so like if I'm feeling like yeah you can usually tell when it's going to be like a good day or if you know like your joints are moving nicely or you've got your squats feeling good or things like that um so if I am on the days that I am feeling really good I might add like an extra five or ten kilos and go like that and on the days that I'm struggling, I might back down two reps or I might just take five or 10 kilos off and not beat myself up for that because I feel like, when, so when I used to do CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting, I didn't pay attention to this stuff and I didn't keep a diary, but I knew that my my cycle and my period was a really big part of my life and it's something that has given me not trouble but I guess it's been a journey that I've had to go on um and every time I'm on my period it is a mass like it's a mass makes a massive difference to my energy and just that whole week of my life really but I used to beat myself up for that when I was training 
in the past. So I'd be like, oh, I did like 95 kilos last week and this week I'm in, I'm feeling struggling at 75 and it's like, you know, like, but that's not what my program says. My program says I have to do like, you know, when I was following the Olympic weightlifting program from a coach. So yeah, I was like, meh. Um, and I'd track all, I would track all of my numbers, but I didn't have the, I guess I just wasn't on that part of my journey then where I was putting two and two together. So I wasn't linking my cycle to my training um, because it just hasn't been something that's been spoken about um, in the industry for very long. So um, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens this year and think about it a little bit more. And I think I should start writing stuff down, just tracking numbers and tracking how I'm feeling in the warm up on the day and stuff like that. Cause I have been paying attention to it and like making a mental note, but not actually putting anything down on paper or anything like that yet. Um, yeah. It can be a little laborious at the start and there's a little resistance there to like tracking and writing down information. And, um, but if you can do it and put that like that emotional labor in at the start, um, <clears throat> you, it's just, it pays off because no longer, I no yeah. longer now write, you know, I'll write the day that I'm on and maybe if something's like a little bit off that I find a little bit weird, but I no longer write anything like really super detailed down only because I know now, like I understand, mm -hmm. I understand my cycle, I understand what's happening. It's only if something's a little off, whether that's my umbrella or just my cycle. <clears throat> but yeah, I think it's worth the emotional labor at the start to be like mm -hmm. as detailed as you can to understand, okay, well, what's actually going on? Yeah. And then how long, how long did it take you to, um, like how many, did you track like for maybe like three months or? No, I did it for a good, I think, seven or eight months. Okay. Yeah. So At the writing. start, it was really quite intense. And then mm -hmm. towards the end, I wasn't as good as putting the emotional labor into it. But yeah. I was, I, I understood um, mm -hmm. what was going on. Uh, and yeah, so I think if you're going to start tracking it, at least commit to three months, like three, at least three cycles. And if you have a pretty regular yeah. cycle, you'll probably pick up on it pretty quickly. Okay, so, yeah. you know, I know I'm going to bleed every like 28 to 30, 32 days. I know, yeah, so like I know I'm going to feel this way. So after three, I think you can get a pretty good idea. And that's if your umbrella is pretty good. Yeah. So if there's like, like all your other prongs are pretty solid, you'll pick it up quicker. But if your umbrella is like a mess, yeah, it's like broken and upside down and like some prongs are all over the place, like your food or your hormonal health, it's going to take a little longer yeah. to actually understand mm -hmm. what's happening. Um, yeah. But I think it's, it's a powerful tool to, um, Yes, with the training, but also just like to connect to, to your body more. It's just a different way. So we can try all these things, like all these modes of training. Like you've done all these different types of training that have taught you so much about your body. But it's like we always forget the one thing that we have that we just we never connect with to teach us about mm -hmm. our body. 
um, them yeah. to help us do all those other things. Because it's always it always is viewed as um, you know not really something to be excited about. <laughs> um, and like I I mean like it it is it's a it's a gift really because it allows us to do what we can do like reproduce humans and you know be who we are as people because um men are not the same as us because they don't have the same hormones as we do so it makes us almost i know there's that whole thing of like men from mars and women are from venus or whatever but i feel like it does not in that way but like it does separate us as in like they don't understand the feelings that we have and the changes that we go through sure they go through their own cyclical um hormones and different things but it's it's just not the same yeah and i think that's why it's such an important conversation and if we can start like as females as a female tribe just getting comfortable one understanding it ourselves because it's hard to talk about something you don't understand yeah. and then being able to talk about it with each other and share and then and then we can go outside of that to then talk about it with the males in our lives whether you know whether it's a male coach whether it's a, a male partner or a male friend um yeah i often say that we're not crazy we're just cyclic yeah <laughs> and once you understand that and and yeah it's um, it makes more sense and then you like you were saying before that you used to beat yourself up about it like not being able to do what you did last week or before and looking at the numbers and not being able to hit it and like why can't i go like it's there's like a cultivation of self-compassion there when you yeah. understand like what's going on and then that's really that's powerful it puts the reasons behind it and then it also puts into perspective like okay well this is a good time for me to go for my one RMs and this is a good time for me to just have a back off period of or deloading like you know rather than trying to hit your one RMs in the space of when you're going to be feeling at your lowest um because I feel like there's probably still a lot of that going on yeah, there's a lot of pushing, pushing through the whole cycle. And I think that's not just yeah. about training, but that's with like everything in life. It's so funny since I started to do this and then I've actually tied in like my business work with it. Like I'm more creative and more open to like, you know, showing up and contributing, doing videos, posting, having conversations, like in the start of my cycle, especially around like that spring, the bit just before, you know, the ovulation or the peak, um, then I am in the end of my cycle. So it doesn't just link into the training, yeah. but it's linked uh, into my like work. Yeah. yeah, as well. Yeah. And then and then I think if you understand that, there's like all these areas of your life that, you know, you can just show up powerfully in those areas and and yeah, yeah. it's um it definitely impacts your relationships as well in each of those areas. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even just being aware of the fact that you're going to be, you know, like when you're coming into um, the last week or um, 10 days before you're about to bleed, like you sometimes feel like you just want to have your own space. Like you're not going to be a sociable, you're not going to make plans. You're probably not going to reach out to people as much. Um, 
and just be like a really, I guess, introverted version of yourself. That's what happens for me anyway. Um, and just making people aware of that and just being like, look, this is what I'm doing this week. I'm not, not personal. I'm probably just going to be a bit more me time and like not hang out as much or, you know, not be as conversational. And that's just the way that it is. It's not anything against anybody. It's just how it is. <laughs> yeah. When I did a workshop um, when I was at home in Australia, we were just cracking jokes about like coming into the gym and to the male coaches just going winter or autumn <laughs> or just saying the day and like day 26 and like that would be the end of the conversation and then <laughs> just carry on with the workout or just saying the word autumn. And then, like, they would know. It's, like, almost like we need this, oh, like, so good. language yeah. or dialogue that we could just say this word and, like, you know, everyone kind of understands <laughs> what it means. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to happen. Yeah. It would be so helpful. Yeah. It's, su- it's actually super hard to coach kids when I'm in that stage. Because I, I get so drained and I get so, I'm so tired. I feel like a zombie for like three days. And, um, yeah, coaching kids is really hard when you have to just show up and be the energy and you've got this pain going on and, like, aching and you just want to be asleep. Like, it's so crazy. I feel like I, I, I get to the end of, like, three hours and I'm like, I'm going to pass out right now. Yeah. It's a big, it's, hard. Oh, it's a it's big hard because you of can't energy. Yeah, you just can't not show up. And then it's just like, it's, it's digging. It's like you're almost, you're like at this base level and then you're pushing past the base level, you know, like you're digging further. So it's going to take longer to get out of that, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, it's, it, what can you do like when it's your job and that's how it is? It's hard. Yeah, the awareness piece is important because then at least you know, yeah okay, I need to set myself up. I've just expressed a lot of energy. A lot of energy has gone out of me. Um, Mm -hmm. Now, how can I get it back in? And especially if I'm at this phase of my cycle, what can I do to bring it back in before I, you know, have another expression of energy? Yeah. Yeah. Just have some time for yourself. So one of my big favorite questions to ask is why Mm -hmm. do you train? Um, I train because it makes me feel good. That's the main reason. Um, I started training for a different reason. So I started training because I used to dance growing up. And um, when I tried to get back into dancing when I was like 19, so I stopped when I was like 15. And then when I was 19, I tried to like restart it. And um, I managed until I was like 21 and then my shin splints just got so bad that I couldn't like just jump. I couldn't do all the jumping and stuff like that on the hard floor um, because it was like barefoot. And um, so I started swimming and that uh, because that was like just another way. I was like, I need to still keep fit because it's been part of my life for so long. Um, So I started swimming and then it's actually a really girly story because I started swimming three times a week and then my hair started going green. (laughs) So I was like, I can't swim anymore. So I joined the gym. (laughs) 
<laughs> so then I joined the gym and that's when I started doing all of the cardio stuff. So I actually started training because it was I felt like it was something like I had to continue on. So I did the dancing because I loved it. It made me feel good. And I knew that movement was something that should be part of your life. Um, so I found something else. Um, but the traditional way of training in the gym back then was just, you know, just go in and do whatever on the treadmill and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't find that fun, but it did make me feel good at. So that's what kept me going back. Um, and then obviously just along the way, I found things that I have um, found fun and challenging that do make me feel good as well. Yeah. And then there's heaps of other things along the way that make you still do it, like people that you meet along the way, people that you train with, the community. Um, and I think that your purpose and your reason just changes um, constantly. Yeah. So, yeah. But mainly because it makes me feel good and I know that it's good for me. Yeah. When you say good, what do you mean? Um, I just mean the benefits that it has. So, um, you know, the, the release of the endorphins and um, the physical aspect of it, the cardiovascular benefits that you get feel like I sleep better when I've trained because I've expanded energy um and that I, I guess as well as humans we're just not as active as we would be in a, in the way that we're supposed to be now because we drive everywhere and all of that kind of stuff so even on days that I don't train I try to move in some kind of way so I might do like a, a stretch or a yoga flow or even just go for a walk and like with my sister's dog try and get out of the house in some kind of way and be active in that way instead um because even just going for a walk makes you feel good and re it releases all the endorphins and you know opens up the lungs and you get the fresh air and all of that kind of stuff as well yeah i love walking me too especially when you live on the northern beaches <laughs> yeah <laughs> compared to me for the past month i've been walking in the pouring rain every morning <laughs> oh my gosh yeah but what dog do you have is he a staffy he's like a, a bully cross staffy yeah pity cross staffy he's so cute. yeah but every morning when i've been out walking in the rain i'm just like wishing and hoping that it makes its way way down south onto the other side of the I universe know to Australia it's so sad. yeah I've worked really hard on not judging a day by the weather because over here I find it really difficult and I've been trying to work hard on like not letting it impact me and so for this past month um, I've just I've been out there walking in the rain and just been so grateful that like you know I'm walking I'm walking with my dog for an hour every morning and yeah it's raining but like you know, they're so lucky here because look what's happening at home. So lucky. We got a bit of rain last night, but it's just not enough. It's not. We need it to, to you know, in summer, usually here. Um, so in Australia, usually in summer and the end of spring, there's like tropical thunderstorms and rain. Like, and we haven't had that at all this summer. So we haven't had one one tropical thunderstorm and usually there's at least like one one every couple of weeks that and it just pours for hours and it's just been like 
spitting here and there for a couple of minutes and that's it. I know. It's so sad. Every, <sighs> just our beautiful country. Happening. I yeah. know. Yeah. Really um, do you want any, do you want to add anything else? Do you want to talk about anything else? Um, we... Not really. I mean, so one of the things that I've found have you worked with people who have had endometriosis before? Yes, and PCOS. Yeah. Um, so um, I've always struggled with my period and the fact that, um, like I mentioned before, like I just feel I get really tired. I feel so low. It takes over my whole life when it's like that week just because there's, it's just so much energy for me to do everything. Um, and I came off the pill five years ago. And when I was young, I used to suffer with um, acne a lot. Um, and when I was on the pill, my acne wasn't as bad. And then I came off five years ago. And it took like about a year and a half, two years. But then my acne flared up again. And it was really bad. Um, to the point where I was like really self-conscious about it. I have been like my whole life. And... Um, I was like, okay, it's time for me to really start seeing someone. So I saw a few naturopaths, did a few things, tried taking this out of my diet, tried taking that out of my diet, all of that kind of stuff. So dairy and meat and all everything. I tried lots of different things for like six months at a time. Um, and nothing really made that much difference. And then I was researching and I found this book um, by Dr. Lara Bryden. Do you know her? Yeah. Yeah. So I read I read her period repair manual and then I decided that I wanted to learn more from her. So I booked an appointment with her and I went to see her in Sydney and um spoke to her about my periods and about everything. Um and she said that it sounded like I may have endometriosis. Um and then I was like, Oh, well actually my mum had chronic endometriosis. And she literally just went through um, having her whole uterus moved. So she had removed because she had a hysterectomy because she had a massive like clot like this big. Um, and she'd just been dealing with the pain like because that's just been normal for her for her whole life. Um, so she, she put into place like different supplements and things like that that I should be doing to try and stop the inflammation because endometriosis is really just inflammation and it can be controlled by the foods and lifestyle and stuff like that so I did that um and I feel like it got better but it's like I feel like it's still a big part of my life that I don't know if it's a normal period you know what I mean like because it shouldn't be so painful that it's that debilitating debilitating no. Yeah. And that's, I think, comes with like that conditioning around, you know, we believe that it's like a burden and then we believe we should be suffering. Like, you know, it should be painful and we should be having PMS. And of course, like there's a shift and there's a change and we're like shedding out. Yeah. Some of our, some <laughs> of our parts. So like you might feel a little bit of like discomfort or you're going to notice some things, but like, no, it shouldn't be like 
so painful. It shouldn't impact us so much that we feel like nauseated or like at zero battery charge. Um, and then it's telling you like there's something going on uh, and whether it's something with like the cycle, something hormonally or something with the other part of the umbrella. Um, and it's kind of, it's annoying because it's like a puzzle and it's like, mm, okay, so I get out. one piece. Yep. Okay. That goes in there. And now I'm getting another piece. Uh, yep. Something's still not quite right. And it's really frustrating. And again, it's like this thing, this like laborious thing of finding out, well, why doesn't all my puzzle pieces fit together? Like, you know, my umbrella seems fine. My, like, you know, my training, my nutrition, everything seems pretty, my hormones are coming back normal. And that's such a big one that like is so confusing that like everything seems normal, but like something's still not like quite right underneath. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's, and that's why I guess that like, I don't just do all the work alone. Like I need the naturopaths there. I need the Chinese uh, medicine doctors because you know, I can do one part of it, but like, I'm not a specialist, like I'm not a hormonal specialist. I'm not like, I don't yeah. specialize in like Chinese med. And I think it's so important to have a team of people, um, on your side to try yeah. and fix the puzzle. Um, I was working yeah. with, a, I, was, yeah, I was working with a woman who had, um, severe period pain, um, and had seen naturopaths and doctors and had done so much testing, no endometriosis, no PCOS, like nothing was coming up. Um, and I remember a while ago reading like a piece of research around like histamines and not having an enzyme that could actually metabolize what we needed to get rid of the histamines and the histamines is what's causing the inflammation. And so that's why often they'll tell you to take out dairy. They'll you take out alcohol, anything that's going to cause like um, inflammation, which is really just an influx of lots of histamines. Mm -hmm. And so I was working with her and then eventually she got tested and she didn't have the enzyme, which is the DAO enzyme that actually can, metabolize and and get rid of the the histamines and so that's what was causing it but like it took her years and so you know so many puzzle pieces to finally eventually get to the place where like okay she just didn't have the the enzyme um wow. and so i guess coming back to your question it's like you can mm -hmm. have you can have that support the naturopathic support but like that could take a long time for for her and you to like put the puzzle pieces together about what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Is this working? No, it's not working. Something's still going on. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next thing. It's, um, yeah, it's complex. It is. Um, so how do you get that histamine test done? That's um, she went to her doctor, uh, mm -hmm. and she got them to test it. Um, and it showed up that she, yeah, didn't have it. Um, but it would be, I think she connected with her doctor um, or her naturopath. It was one of them. Uh, she'd worked more closely with her naturopath just because of like the depth that yeah. they go into with the testing. And yeah, um, but she did have a good GP uh, that was more in like 
you know, uh, functional medicine GP yeah. that actually dug deeper into both all air, both sides. So she had both of them. Um, and then eventually we connected all the pieces together. Um, and it's improving. Then the inflammation's not as bad and she's uh, getting support there from the naturopath and yeah. the GP, but it took a long time. Like we're talking years and years, Yeah, it takes which is, time. can be frustrating um, when you, mm-hmm. especially in those five to seven days before. But I think the biggest piece of advice I can give is get many people on your team um, yeah. and look after your umbrella so we can often get lost and it's good just like training we can go and we can specialize in something for a while because that's how we learn yeah we have to dive in and we just have to do that and we learn a lot but then we need to come back out and we need to be a generalist again or we need to zoom out and get a bigger picture of like okay so i've been down one prong of my umbrella for a long time something's still not right so i need to spend some other time on other areas of my umbrella um yeah yeah makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. so are you still getting support from the naturopath yes um I have another appointment booked in to talk to her about um just what's going on at the moment um because I feel like I went through a phase of um them getting like my periods were less painful and a bit lighter but um they've just gone back to being like really heavy and just yeah like the energy that I feel is almost reflected in my body if that makes sense like it's just really dense and like pulls you down like that's just the way that I feel when I'm in that um time and like I lose a lot of blood in like the first like two days which I feel like is, it's like two days of really like intense bleeding and then it like lowers off. But I feel like it should, shouldn't should be like that. You know what I mean? Like I feel like, well, that's what it's like for me, but I don't know if that's what it should be like for me because everyone's different. Um, but I feel like that it's just, it should be a little bit more gradual that makes sense yeah instead of just feeling like your vagina is just going to fall out full and like all this blood just going to (laughs) come rushing out yeah that heavy weighted feeling of like that's how I often describe it when I work I'm like it just feels like your vagina is going to fall out like that deep pressure weighted feeling like you've got a weight sitting on the inside of your uterus there yeah 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 and I think that's like there's no normal there's like normal for you but then if you know that something's not quite right yeah and I guess it's like coming back to like okay something doesn't feel quite right and yeah there's yeah I need to do still work to be done there's There's still still work to be done done. yeah yeah I feel like I've come a long way but learning is still happening so yeah yeah hopefully this year is um the year of the period yeah it is it's the year of the period i've kind of just named it like that um kind of like you know how it's the year of the pig the year of the duck this is the year of the period (laughs) it is i think it's actually the year of the rat okay it's the year of the rat 
Mm. You're the like, rat that's actually what it period. is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Yeah. So I think continue to track. Mm-hmm. Be laborious in the information that you're writing down at the start because the more information you have, the more information, you know, the people that you work with have, the, the better, the, the more puzzle pieces that we're bringing together. Um, mm-hmm. And then to get yeah, people on your team to find a, a naturopath, to find a Chinese medicine doctor or, um, and to then help get them to help you put the puzzle pieces together. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's where I would start. And that's where I start all the women that I work with. We start with tracking and if there's something that's going on, there always starts with like, home, like hormonal support. Um, yeah. So, and then yeah, slowly over time. Slowly we'll get there. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for creating space to connect and share um, and chat with me. Thank you for reaching out and allowing me to be part of your awesome platform. And um, thank you for sharing all the knowledge that you share. I've read heaps of your posts and I've read, downloaded your eBooks and your (laughs) all of the time and effort that you've put into everything is just amazing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, um, thank you for sharing. And can you tell people where they can find you so they can see you doing amazing things? Um, so I'm on Instagram at Betsy underscore Anne underscore Burnett. A-N-N is Anne and it's Burnett for the double T. And um, I am on Facebook, but I don't really post much there. So Instagram is the way to go. I've got my email contact on there if anyone ever wants to reach out for anything. Yeah, that's it. Beautiful. I love it. And I'm really excited to continue connecting and continuing talking about periods and cycles. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I'm excited too learn more of you and to grow and hopefully I can bring you into some of the spaces where I work and you can share everything with lots of other awesome humans. Oh, I would love, I would love to, we have only e-met, so I would love to, to real meet you and then <laughs> we can move our bodies in lots of fun ways. Yay. You Yay. can teach me all your handstand tricks. Oh. It's been a while since I've been on my hands. (laughs) Your handstands are amazing. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Betsy, thank you so much. Thank you. If you have any questions, you can connect with me on Instagram at amykatebow. I also write a daily blog. You can sign up on my website, amykatebow.com. Thank you for making the space to listen today. Remember, take the long way home. Bye for now.